This is Wade's World, where we talk to the most interesting people in the world on KABF 88.3, the voice of the people. You want to see how the other half lives? We'll see how we get around. Why don't you come visit me on the east side of town? Raskin, you're listening to Wage World, a voice for the people program. Welcome to the east side of town so that we can talk about how the other half lives and what life is like here living in Wage World, whether that's the east side of Little Rock, Greenville, or New Orleans, or on Acorn Radio in Nairobi, Bengaluru, Bristol, or Bombay, points east and west, where we are either rebroadcast or live-streamed at kabf.org, wamf.org, or acornradio.org. A podcast will be available this show on those websites and at www.chieforganizer.org. You know the story on Wage World. We talk to the most interesting people in the world. Today we're talking to Stuart Pittman, County Executive of Anne Arundel County in Maryland. Welcome to Wage World, Stuart. Thanks, Wade. It's good to be here in your world. (laughs) Well, and the reason that uh, we're talking to Stuart, we're going to cover a lot of subjects, is this is part of our, our monthly show we do, celebrating or noting or trying to review the 50 years of Acorn's history. And, Stuart, you've got some time in with Acorn back in the day. When did you work in Iowa and elsewhere? Yeah, I started in 84, right as I was getting out of college at the University of Chicago. So I worked in Chicago for was about a year and a half, and then, and then you sent me out to Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, that was an experience that it, um, taught me everything I need to know for the rest of my life, I think. And uh, <laughs> I was there for five or six years. Then I went back, um, had a baby. Remember that? Yeah. Um, and uh, her name was Jessie. We, we, we were actually in Iowa during the caucuses um, when Jesse Jackson was, was running. And, right, uh, in 88. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, my job was to get to get uh, folks in Des Moines supporting Jesse Jackson. And and um, my dad thought I named my daughter after Jesse Jackson. We'd actually picked the name before that, but um, <laughs> we have a big old Jesse sign over, had a big old Jesse sign over her crib. <laughs> there you go. Well, we all have stories on yeah. life. And, uh, and then, I went back, then I went back home, which which is here in, in Maryland. And, uh, you know, you kind of do that when you have a kid and you want to be close to family. And I actually, um, I left ACORN for a little while and worked for the National Low-Income Housing Coalition. And then I went back to ACORN. Um, I wanted to be with Real Organizers again. And and, um, you made me the director of national campaigns. So I did that for a couple more years. Um, And then I I escaped the farm. And you were raising horses or something for a while. Yeah, yeah. I I was um, getting horses off the racetrack, training them for second careers and then selling them and um, running the farm here and, and did that for, you know, a couple of decades. And uh, and then I just got this crazy idea that maybe I should run for county executive, and I did, and uh, kind of surprised everybody when I won. Are you in your first or second term now? Aren't you in your second, no? No, first term. Uh, it'll be a, I'll be two years in December. Oh, okay. So, uh, just about halfway through first term well you know and then in acorn's 50th anniversary you're the only person that ever went to raise horses uh after you were an organizer and you're one of the few who ever got elected to uh, uh you know county executives of significant office um 
Yeah, we got. Tell we us got a little bit about Anne Arundel County. We were talking before we got on the air, but give people a sense of what uh, what it's like where you are. Well, we have we have the same number of people in our county as they have in the state of Wyoming. Um, we don't have two senators, but uh, we have a five hundred eighty thousand person population. We're right smack in the middle of Maryland. We have the capital of Annapolis here in our county, and uh, we're right. Just, you know, we're just uh, east of Washington, D.C. and just south of Baltimore City. And um, it's kind of, you know, I, I, I like to say it's a microcosm of America because we're we're purple politically, although we're definitely becoming more and more blue. And we're we we have urban, rural, suburban. We've got a rust belt. We got we got just about every kind of voter um, that the country has. And. Um, and so it's it's an exciting place to to govern. Well, I'm sure it is. But you obviously, uh, back in the day, you made a lot of excitement happen in Iowa. I think you tried to get a radio station together. I think we bought a building uh, on your advocacy in Des Moines. We had our hands in a lot of things while you were there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We. I mean, it was an exciting place to organize because... I think we had um, at most times we had, you know, between six, seven, sometimes eight neighborhood organizations um, in and around Des Moines. We had a little bit outside of Des Moines and and the neighborhoods were it was diverse. I mean, we had primarily African-American neighborhoods. Uh, we had one area down by the packing house that was mostly Hispanic um, and we had some primarily white working class neighborhoods. Um, and we actually helped to get a mayor elected. His mom was an ACORN member. And this guy, Pat Dorian, was the he was the head of the Carpenters Union and uh, we supported his campaign. And when he won, we suddenly um, we weren't quite the outsiders we had been before. And it was a lot easier to to win stuff. Um, but, yeah, we, we we had some good campaigns. I remember Didn't one you was, try to get some kind of housing program together after that or am I remembering did. wrong? Yeah, we did. I mean, you know, when I lived there, um, I got married while I was there. Karen and I bought a house for $35,000 and we left. Those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, people could believe almost anything you're saying other than that you were able to buy a house for 35 grand. Well, and it wasn't a bad house. It had a nice little yard and, and, and we sold it for 43,000 when we left. So we, uh, we I think great. I stayed there once or twice. So I don't, yeah. I remember it fondly, but it may have been, I was staying in the office. I can't recall. <laughs> the office yep. was also in a house, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was the downstairs, and we had an upstairs that we we sometimes rented. Um, but yeah, that was that was right close to downtown where the office was. But um, yeah, it was um, so the housing stock was inexpensive, and there were there were a fair number of abandoned houses and uh, um, and a lot of really affordable houses. And the banks weren't lending, of course, uh, redlined certain neighborhoods. And so yeah, we got um, one of the early. Um, agreements with Norwest Bank um, through the Community Reinvestment Act. And we went after them and we said, look, there's people who will repay these loans, can afford to live in these houses if you'll just make a loan. And so we we got that agreement and then we started an Acorn Housing Corporation um, loan counseling program. And uh, yeah, we got some people into houses. It was good. No question about it. And they were throughout those neighborhoods where you had groups, weren't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because one of the problems we had with uh, loan counseling, you know, now that you're in Maryland, is I can still remember the sort of shock we had when we looked at the numbers uh, in our D.C. program, which was very successful. And we had more members than in 
suburban Maryland than we've had in D.C. anymore. <laughs> Without realizing, of course, nobody could afford houses in D.C., so where they could, once they got them the loans, the only place they could find to afford were out there in the Montgomery County and the counties, you know, that abutted D.C. Yeah, over uh, Georgia's. Yeah, what can you do? But at least in Des Moines, yeah. with the housing stock, you could do better. Um, yeah, yeah. Somehow, yeah. In, my, in my mind, was, was there a food club or something? I can't remember. You had some other crazy thing you had going that I kind of, maybe that was wrong. Maybe it was the housing counseling. Um, well, we had that. We, we you know, for a little while, remember the the UDAG grants, Urban Development Action Grants, right. where the feds would give money to, to developers to build build stuff in cities, commercial stuff. And um, there was a, a big development in downtown Des Moines. And, and I remember uh, demanding that the, the grant program required that a certain certain percentage of people be hired locally. And there were some... Exactly, from low and moderate income neighborhoods, we used to argue. Yeah. And uh, so we went after those jobs. We did a... We, we started a jobs bank to help help get people employed. I remember marching down... I think that, that must have been the jobs bank, right? Yeah, yeah. I want a J-O, we want a J-O-B so we can E-A-T. And uh, <laughs> uh, I remember the guy who, um, John Ruan was the developer. He had a whole, he had trucks. Exactly. John, God, I wonder what happened to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was pretty old then, so he's probably dead and gone by now. But Well, and his family is probably still running half of the city. Um, right. Yeah. If it's yeah. anything like Little Rock and those other kind of medium-sized cities, those real estate folks are more powerful than people realize. Oh um, yeah. Well, right here in this county, it's it's a handful of of uh, developers that basically buy most of the politicians, and um, so that's why people were were surprised I won because because uh, I wasn't getting a dime out of them, and the guy who I ran against, an incumbent, um, was their guy. So it was. Uh, um, it was had he been in for a while or what? Well, there's a term limits to two terms. He had, he was running for his second term for re-election. Oh, oh okay. And, uh, had a big old war chest, and people thought he was pretty secure. And no other, no, nobody, no Democrat wanted to challenge him. He was Republican, and um, and so there was kind of nobody running. <laughs> and well, I one of the lessons we did learn in Acorn is you can't win if you don't run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't sound that profound, does it, Stuart? We're talking to Stuart Pittman, who's now the county executive of Anne Arundel County in the middle of Maryland. But uh, we looked at his off and on 10 years with ACORN a minute ago. But um, so what? Uh, now that you're a county executive, what kind of things you've got going on there in Anne Arundel? Anything interesting well, along I, those lines? You are always oh, yeah. creative. A lot, a lot of fun stuff. Um, the... Um, um, I mean, what you know, the, the thing I, I got to say that being being a community organizer for Acorn um, really did teach me what I needed to know. I say the other half of what I learned came from the horses because they teach you a lot too. But but uh, they teach you her, patience her and getting away from the hoof. <laughs> well, just the way the horses think and the herds, it's not all that different from people. And I used to say that on the campaign, and my campaign manager would would shudder that don't tell people that they like horses, Stuart. They don't want to hear that. But you know what? It's you know we're all pretty we're all pretty simple and straightforward, and and um, um, it's actually a compliment coming from me. Uh, well, it may be, but uh, many of us have been called a horse's butt before, so you you yeah. do need to be careful in your next campaign. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to have to agree with the, your manager on that. Maybe. Yeah. 
Well, be, being careful doesn't never has never got me anywhere. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but we, um, uh, you know, the issues that the issues I ran on were um, a, a lot of it. You know, the way that I was able as a Democrat to beat an incumbent Republican with all the money, um, it, it was a little bit of populism. It was a lot about development. Um, uh huh. The way that you know the way that these developers had really you know taken the plans that communities had put together. We had these small area plans for people's visions of their communities that were done all around the county, and that stuff just got thrown in the trash. And the developers got to build whatever they wanted to build wherever. It was sort of suburban sprawl, no affordable housing. Everything was luxury, and uh, and people were, you know people were kind of pissed off. It was overcrowded schools you know, traffic everywhere. And, um, and so they kind of liked the idea of farm boy from South County. Um, and, and then when they found, when they found out that I had been an organizer with acorn, um, the Republicans were really excited about it. And, you know, I was bragging about it. And they, one, one Republican Senator called me up and said, is it true that you worked for acorn? And I knew this guy, I'd known this guy from some other stuff. And, 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 uh, and I knew he was a really he was a really devout Catholic, and, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, I worked for Acorn. We did great stuff." And, and I really want to thank the Catholic Church because they funded so much of what we did. We never could have done it without them. <laughs> um, but he said, "God bless you know, the campaign for human development." That's exactly right. 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 And, and and he said, "You know, that might be a badge of honor in Prince George's County, which is primarily African American, right. not in Anne Arundel." I mean, that was his sort of racist way of saying, you know, the acorn right. is going to kill you. And um, we leaned into it, and uh, I, don't, I think it helped. I think it helped. You know, the, the interesting thing, and, of course, you know, I still work for acorn and uh, all these years and times good and bad, is when it gets to the level of the base, acorn's name is still gold. Um, when it gets up uh, up and you know, those people who just read, uh, you know, or listen to Fox News. Well, of course, you know, that's a little more controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but they don't know uh, what it means. They just, it speaks they to just... principle and character that you're able to embrace it and move forward. And is there are special tax breaks in Arundel for developers or is it a straight story? Uh, you know, there's some of that, but uh, they really want to be here. That's that's part of it. That we're located in a place where um, they really want to develop. And you know, what I say to people is is which you know, again, is probably not politically. I don't know if it's politically good or bad, but but you know, we in the suburbs, we're sort of a suburb. Um, we stole the tax base from Baltimore City. We 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 kind of the politicians who were bought by the developers said, "Come on out to the land of pleasant living." And and we have lower taxes, and we'll just you know we'll just grease the skids for you on the development application. So don't worry about the environment. Don't worry about you know having the adequate public facilities like schools and infrastructure and roads. Um, we'll just let you build and make a lot of money. And they all operate regionally, so they pull out of Baltimore City, and and they got no tax base left. And, gotcha. and um, so they're so we haven't had to actually subsidize much of what they do. The state gives, you know, gives corporate welfare grants and things. But um, what, you know, what I kind of try to say now to the other regional leaders is, um, is let's, you know, if we were all, if we all implemented our laws and required the developers to follow the law, they would go back into Baltimore City because it'd be tougher for them and it'd be a little bit harder. And and then Baltimore City 
which has to give tax breaks because they're begging for investment in Baltimore City, yeah. um, wouldn't have to give such big tax breaks. Sounds but, correct. Yeah. I don't know if anybody will pick that up and run with it, but, uh, you know, that's, I mean, we're doing some work around housing in Atlanta right now and talk about sprawl. But what it means is that the city of Atlanta is where people are now leaving some of the suburbs to come back in mm-hmm. uh, because it's almost more affordable to go back into the city. Yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, it's uh, now now with the pandemic, I don't know what that means, but um if Annapolis, if Annapolis is in Anne Arundel County, is state government a big employer in your county? It is, yeah, yeah. We have um, we have all state. Well, there's some state government buildings outside of the county, but but um, it's a big employer. Um, we also have Fort Meade, um, which is and 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 within the the fort, the Army Fort, and around it, there's NSA and a lot of a lot of military contractors and 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 you know security jobs and defense jobs. Um, so has yeah. this pandemic depression been a big factor in Arundel or you've been able to sort of smooth it through? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it has, I mean, everywhere it's, I mean, we know the low wage workers are the ones who lose their jobs first, um, and lose their jobs in, um, oh, it was amazing. I read in Washington post of the national figures, but if you're in the bottom quarter of wage levels, um, you're eight times more likely to lose your job in this economy than if you're right. uh, and, and, and the people at the top are actually doing in a lot of cases better than they were They're They're working from home. Um, so that's true everywhere. And we have a lot of unemployed people. I think we're a little more resilient than the rest of the state. I look at the un- new unemployment filings and we're about 10% of the state of Maryland. And, and in the beginning we were 10% of the unemployment filings. Now we're more like five or 6%. Ah. Don't complain. Completely know why, but but it could have something to do with with um, you know a lot of those defense type jobs. In Arkansas, our union represents state workers, and a lot of them are still working remotely, even in Arkansas, which is mm-hmm. uh, pretty wide open. Uh, is that true in, in Arundel as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm working from home right now. Um, county workers and, and a lot of state workers are. It's it's um, um, and, <laughs> and it works fine. It's going to be interesting to see what it, you know, in the long term, you know, what it means. There's going to be vacant office space. There's going to be, you know, hopefully we have people continuing to work at home when they can and get cars off the road. But um, uh, it's the people who can't work at home who who uh, are in trouble. Yeah, these uh, essential workers, we're finding out we can't live without them. But uh, people certainly, I mean, hopefully if there's a new president, we'll have something that uh, – we may finally get an increase in minimum wage and some other things. And let's talk about that, Stuart. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about a rural-urban divide. And given your microcosm of uh, America, how does that work uh, in Anne Arundel? Or what is the point of view that you all are finding that helps pull people together? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there certainly is a political-urban-rural divide. And I don't know if you remember, back when I was working for ACORN, I used to I used to talk about wanting to start to do rural organizing. And yes, I do remember. Yeah. Probably, I probably didn't encourage it because we couldn't figure out a way to make the dues base work, but yeah. Right, right. No, no it, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's in, in the state of Maryland, even, you know, before the, the era of Trump politics, we had a, a Democratic governor, Martin O'Malley, 
Uh, sure. He, ran, he later ran for president. Um, and actually, not, not a bad guy. You know, I um, did some good things for Maryland. And, right. uh, and when the Republicans were, you know, trying to mobilize against him and, and get rid of him, they, uh, they claimed that O'Malley had a war on rural Maryland. And in fact, if you looked at the numbers, he did more for farmers than the previous Republicans. But he, uh, they, 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 they stuck that on him. Um, it had to do with some environmental regulations that the EPA required anyway. So, um, it, but it really, it really kind of, you know, they use that. They deliberately try to divide between urban and rural. And then at the same time, they say that the Democrats are attacking the farmers in the rural parts of the state. Uh, they say that that um, Baltimore City is is stealing your tax dollars. Um, mm-hmm. That look at all the look at all the money that's going to Baltimore City and. Where is it going? It's going in the corrupt politicians' pockets. And, you know, it's almost as racist as the Trump stuff, you know, about Elijah Cummings uh, in Baltimore City that he was saying. Um, and, and it's a really deliberate strategy to divide along the urban-rural thing. And, and, you know, in our part of the of, – in this county, the rural parts of the county, we got a lot of poverty. we got poor yeah, people. Exactly. And we got trailer homes where – you know, it's some of the only affordable housing in the in the county, and and it's threatened, of course. But um, so there's a there's there's got to be a way to get around that stuff. I mean, um, because because the, the issues that matter are economic issues, whether you live in the city or the country. Well, that's exactly right. We're talking to Stuart Pittman, who's the county executive of Anne Arundel County in the middle of Maryland, but is also a former ACORN organizer and campaign director. I mean, one of the things that we always believe, and I'm sure it's part of what you're talking about, is that uh, you mentioned having run on a somewhat populist uh, program when you were elected. That's part of what's hurt watching the Trump campaign is he sort of sees the initiative in terms of talking about populism or, you know, talking about people's concerns that he just hadn't delivered to them. Is there a way that one can take sort of populism and actually make it deliver benefits to people? Well, I, I think so. I mean, populism to me, me too. Is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> populism is, is like, okay, you know, we the people um, – are are uh, are together and we're fighting against a common a common common enemy and so trump has said the enemy is the government uh and and you know the the people with money uh like like saying that you know they've always been trickle down economics is all about squeezing sure. government to death and and you know it's the source of all of our problems from even from back in the days of reagan and uh and we saw the impact of that economically um, it's been, you know, bigger disparities in wealth, and uh, it's been a mess. So it, it's kind of got us, got us where we are. So um, I think there's another. I mean, in Anne Arundel County, it was a little bit targeted towards developers because people, such a broad cross section, were frustrated by developers. But mm-hmm. um, you know, but when we when we can finally get people to look at what trickle down economics was and how it was implemented and what's been the effect of it. That basically it's trying, you know, it's trying to make rich people richer, and and um, so if we can direct our populism and direct our, you know, our our anger even to be blunt at uh, the the folks who've who've accumulated all the wealth 
by um, by squeezing government um, so that they're the problem, not the government. The government is actually pretty useful at solving problems. And um, then I, I think, um, you know, we're using populism to um, to really create a new uh, to educate people about how economics work and, and what their interests are. And then they realize equity's got to be a winning issue politically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've always said the numbers favor us. So not being willing to embrace those numbers has got to be a problem. Um, you know, the yeah. news this morning as we're talking is that uh, Biden is finally ahead in Pennsylvania. He's ahead in Georgia. Um, this sort of uh, ability for Democrats to, to sort of move away from pandering to Wall Street and the tech tech world of Silicon Valley and get back to talking to low-income, moderate-income families, working people. That's uh, hopefully going to be a theme of a Biden presidency, don't you believe? Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I mean, he wasn't my first choice in the primary. Um, and, nor, you know, nor mine, but... Yeah, I mean, I thought you a little bit of a... <laughs> and what a surprise that we didn't pick the immediate winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but, you know, in a way, I think the voters might have gotten it right because... Because uh, I, who knows how it would have turned out if we had had a, a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren. Um, yeah. But um, but there was definitely, you know, Bernie Sanders and Warren are more populist, right? They're more uh, economic exactly. populism. And they, they come right out and say, you know, there is a little bit of us against them. And we're tired of all the wealth going to the top. And, and let's do something about it. And and um, um We'll just we'll see if we'll see where Biden ends up as president. It'd be nice if we could get the Senate too, so we get some things done. But but um, I I think that I think things are um, I think that message that both Bernie Sanders and Warren and others have um, you know pushed in the primary um, is the message that really resonates among young people, and it it also closes the urban rural divide. You know, yeah, it's um, it's. It's really the you know the people who've been left out of all this economic growth, and uh, finally want to have a fair shake. I mean, I'm sure we'll finally, and I you know crossing my fingers, I can't believe it won't finally get a minimum wage increase under a, with the Biden administration, regardless of who is in the Senate. Um, it's just been too long not to have one. But I do worry as the Republicans continue to be continue to be so hard right that the Democrats. Uh, will spend a lot more time being moderate than perhaps, you know, looking at some of the populist lessons and part of what the base is really telling them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, polling shows pretty, you know, it's fun. polling shows that people are ready to um, pick back the Trump tax cut for the wealthy, you know, right. to, to, to raise taxes on really wealthy people. I mean, it's pretty, everybody thinks it's obscene. Even Republicans think it's obscene the way, Wealth is accumulated at the very top, and and um, there was a poll in Maryland just a few months ago asking that question, and it it, it polled well, you know, you know, higher taxes on rich people basically, and it polled well in rural parts of the state, and it polled well even among Republicans. Right. So um, I tried to get a state bill passed last year to allow counties to tax progressively on income, so that we could have a like a millionaire's tax, a higher rate for higher income exactly. people. And and um, there were a lot of Democrats who were scared to touch it. Um, yeah. So it it almost passed. They closed the session early, and um, um, 
so it didn't get through, but I think we'll get it through this year. But but it was really interesting trying to lobby some of these, uh, I call them trickle-down Democrats, who, who uh, were just scared to touch it. Well, some good news out of uh, Oregon, Multnomah County, where Portland is, passed a, a tax on high earners in order to pay for essentially universal pre-K for four and three- and four-year-olds uh, at almost any kind of institution, including making the teachers equivalent in pay to kindergarten teachers, which would be huge. So maybe that's a model. We'll see. Um, yeah. Some people are going to move forward. And the local level is still where we have good opportunities for change, and I imagine uh, that's true in Anne Arundel, I hope, as well, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I try to test these little things and, and see how they go. It's a, it's a great little, you know, um, small enough place to, to test some policy that's progressive. And, and I'm finding that even in our purple little county that, for one, people really people really do like to help vulnerable people. And during this pandemic, I think people are even a little bit more compassionate. Like they realize that it's just not right that people are being threatened with eviction. Exactly. Exactly. During the pandemic. You got, We're you coming, got some friends there with you, it sounds like. Really? <laughs> you know, I, I thought maybe that was from your side, and I keep telling them all the time, uh, you know, we can actually hear when you all come in for the next show, but it's a volunteer <laughs> army in the 100,000-watt yeah. uh, KABF, and it's hard to get the volunteers to do, you know, as you know, we work with what we have, Stuart. Yeah, I've been talking yeah. to Stuart Pittman. We're about to the end of the show. How can people, if want to, if people want to know more about what's happening in Anne Arundel and what you've learned and how you're putting it into practice, is there any website or email that they could use to keep the conversation going or send you some little support? Yeah, go to um, pittmanforpeople.com. <laughs> Believe it or not, and uh, that's our that's our sort of you know campaign website. Okay. Um, and uh, but if people are just interested in what we're doing, you know, the county government website is aacounty.org. And um, um, yeah, so uh, it's it's an interesting place where um, um, we're doing some really good stuff. Well, and, uh, you know, the experience uh, with Acorn didn't hurt and maybe taught some things. And as we look at uh, the 50th anniversary, we'll be talking to more people who've spent time and the lessons they've learned from Acorn. We want to thank Stuart for being with us. This is Wade Rasky for another week, the world with Wade's world, the world where the other half lives, where we talk about things you've never heard. And as Lucinda Williams sang, things you've never seen and will never forget. Wage world is underwritten by the Darrell Foundation, a progressive force in Able and Change based in Little Rock, Arkansas. And as the song goes, we say it loud, we say it on the air, we say it on the radio. Until next week when we'll have another guest, this is Wade Rasky for Wage World. Thank you. <laughs>